We've been doing this podcast for almost two years, and on strangelovewithmovies.com, you can check out the previous episodes that we've done. We look forward to you checking them out and giving us your feedback. Thank you. Hello, welcome to Strange Love of Movies. My name is Livia Martinez, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Oscar and Emily Martinez. And today we're going to be discussing the Apple original film, Coda. Coda premiered at Sundance 2020, I think? I don't know. It, it premiered a while back, and Apple got it, and it was recently released, and we got a chance to see it. And I think that Strange Love's opinions on this movie are going to be quite different than the average opinion you'll see. Is that correct, Papa? I think so, yes. It's one of these things where um, CODA is, it stands for Child of Deaf Adults, and it concerns uh, a lot of issues involving, the, I wouldn't say the deaf community, but a deaf family who has uh, the youngest child is able to speak and hear. And so, you know, there's some drama. Obviously, there's drama there. First of all, she's not feels like she's outside of the, the, the mainstream of, of, her, of her own family. But the way this movie's been embraced, it's kind of irritating. And you'll hear about some of that as we go along. And it's getting a lot of attention lately because it's been nominated for an Academy Award. Multiple, many, many. Many. And is actually a frontrunner, I think, in a few categories, including Best Picture. Yeah, and Liv, you were right. It, it did premiere at Sundance, but in 2021. So oh, really? Yes, it was this year. Okay. Oh, that's not this year. It was last year. CODA is also a musical term. I didn't even realize that it stood for children of deaf adults. I guess that's how out of touch I am. But it's a musical term that means the end of a music piece. So I kind of was like, okay, this movie's definitely going to be about music. And I never saw the trailer for this movie, but everyone who's seen it has told me it looks like atrocious. And I would say that the movie is very similar to those feelings of the trailer by my friends. Well, it's interesting because I did look up Coda. You know, Strange Love is known for its amazing, voluminous research. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia. And it said Coda is terrible. And they were talking about the Led Zeppelin album that came out after Led Zeppelin broke <laughs> yeah. out. And that was their last I album. I thought I'd heard Remember that. Remember it was called yeah. Coda. And it wasn't that, that bad. It had some good songs on it. You know what I mean? Was it better than this movie? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, okay, so... We'll get into the plot real fast and why we kind of just did not like this movie too much because it, re- it has nothing to do with the uh, deaf parts of the movie. Really, those are the best parts. Don't you think the family dynamic? Yes. I mean, it is an appealing family. I mean, Agreed. it's a family that's close and they care about each other and they share a sense of humor and support each other. So in a lot of ways, it is kind of encouraging to see a film that includes a really pretty happy, normal, in most ways, very normal, average family. So what really annoyed me, I think maybe it's because I'm closer to her age, but the main girl, Ruby, the one who can hear in the family, her high school experience is just so goofy and ridiculous and the dialogue is terrible. And you could say, oh, well, that's just how people talk. No, it is not how teenagers talk. And there are movies that actually capture how teenagers talk, like Lady Bird and stuff like that. But instead we got this and we got how she's just signs up for choir and can't sing happy birthday in front of people and then runs out of the room. And then the next rehearsal, the really nice and in my opinion, likable choir teachers like, you're going to do a duet with the guy you have a crush on. That would never happen because he's never heard her sing. Why would she? What? Right, right. And of course, there are the requisite mean girls who make fun of her 
for no apparent reason, I guess because her parents are deaf, these high school girls are deciding that they can mock her. Don't they have better things to do? And I know that's how it is in all the movies, and I'm sure there that has been some people's high school experiences. But really, it's I, I they're not. That's not as common as as um, fortunately, that's not as common as movies portray. And I really think that that's more of an elementary school thing because, yeah, we all have those insecurities, those really deep-seated... Or or, maybe middle school. Yeah, maybe so, but just something we were just so nervous about, like our parents embarrassing us or something like that. So she may still have that stress and anxiety from that. But yeah, they would not be that mean to her. Yeah, it would have been interesting character study if she were embarrassed or were ashamed. I, you know, just bear with me for a second. But she's proud of her family. You can tell she's been an interpreter for them. So it was at odds with her. There's a dichotomy there that just wasn't fully explained. You yeah. know, she either she is this confident, hey, my parents are deaf, so what? I can sing like a songbird, whatever. Or, oh, she's so nervous that she can't deal and, and she feels so bad that her parents are deaf. Well, which is it? You know, and you made the good point, Liv. Are we watching High School Musical? Because the plot <laughs> was exactly the same. Cute guy signs up for choir. And not I'm even sign- cute guy. Yeah, well, supposedly cute guy signs up for choir. I'm signing up for choir. And I have my chance to sing and I'm so embarrassed I can't sing. Oh my gosh, I felt like I was watching an after school special from ABC from 1973. And then of all the the students that the choir teacher takes under his wing, it's the one student who was late signing up, doesn't seem all that committed to choir, and is like apparently the only student he's ever really coached or maybe one of only a handful of students he's ever coached who he thinks is ready for a music scholarship yeah. to college. He's like, this girl's got it. She's going to go to Berkeley. And one thing I will say that's a good thing about this movie, the house that the music director lives in is mwah. It's beautiful. They live in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Yes. Which is a famous fishing town. Yes. And her family, they're fishermen, the, her brother and dad. And I think that was a pretty gripping scene when they... The stuff on the boat is kind of interesting, but it has nothing to do with the singing, you know? It's just such a cluster. Well, and you know, this has received some criticism from, uh, and I hate saying the deaf community, because the community is, is so widespread, just like everything else. That, there's one thing in favor of this movie. They showed these people were very earthy, very working class, but still, it showed them in a different light. They were real people with real problems, and they would fight, and, and they do things like that. So that, that was refreshing in its own way, as opposed to this noble these noble characters, they were anything but noble. But at the, the end of it, um, the, the, the criticism is, why did it have to be singing? She could have been studying STEM, you know, STEM cells or, you know, st- yeah, engineering, whatever. She didn't have to have that singing for that extra Hollywood corny uh, drama. Oh, look at this. Not only is she not deaf, she sings and Although she's Although I great. guess that was the whole point. The I kind know, of but the that's irony. the point, but that's where it descends into cliche. Yeah, Papa has some strong feelings, but I do agree because I think that what would be cool is there, there's so, like probably just a handful of movies where someone has a disability or something like that and it's not talked about in the movie. And I'm sure that's what they were wanting. Like, let's show this normal deaf family and though they didn't talk about their deafness that much, it was still just like a recurring element, but it would have been cool if, yeah, she was an artist and she's just used to her deaf family, but then it wouldn't have been as much of a movie. You know what I mean? It kind of seemed like any type of um, just TV movie or Netflix um, throwaway movie that included all these elements that have been used over and over again. The 
um, kind of brandy parents, the parents who are kind of bawdy, um, the cute boy with the high school girl who's insecure. And he sings. And he sings. And the um, kind of over-the-top choir teacher. In a way, it kind of reminded me of... That old movie, Mister Holland's Opus, or something. He was a band director. He was a band director, but it was kind of the same idea. And um, I, I don't know. It just kind of seemed like it. It snatched little um, cliches from a bunch of different types of movies and put them all together, and then cloaked it in an environment that was slightly different because the family was deaf. I actually totally know what you mean. And yeah, they were like, "This movie's important because it's about the deaf community." I'm like, well, yeah, it's important to have movies about that. But I think even like Sound of Metal did such a better job. Yes. Uh, I agree. Yes. Uh, representing the deaf community. Or maybe not representing the deaf community, but just that was about telling a story. A character, that was about an interesting character or characters who happened to be deaf. This yes. seemed to be about a deaf family and how they dealt with life. And in a way, that's almost condescending. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think in the Sound of Metal... He was a drummer, right? And he lost his hearing. So it was the opposite. He actually was able to hear, but he lost it. And he had to learn how to be deaf, which was interesting. I, I thought that was something you hadn't really seen before. And even, I hope this sounds the right way, but even people who cannot hear at birth, they have to learn how to be deaf, how to survive in, in, a, in a world where most people are, are speaking. And another bit of criticism that I didn't realize, except I did this voluminous research, which I mentioned earlier, <laughs> but uh, some of these situations, because of the Americans with Disability Act, also commonly known as ADA, they require professional interpreters. Like, the, the, you know, the part of the plot of those fishermen, oh, we're bringing the feds to monitor your, your catch and all that. Because quite a few of the scenes take place on the family's fishing boat. That's yes. how they make a living. Yes, and, and there's a subplot about they're getting ripped off by the sky and they, they do their own thing, which is an uplifting story. But in that situation, uh, because the, fed, the feds were there, the federal government represented it there, they would have to by legal, legally have a, a professional interpreter. But she that's would, a big conflict where they don't have an interpreter. Yeah, exactly. And that's but where, it's because they need to hear the warnings and be able to communicate with the Coast yes. Guard, etc. Yeah, but even when they're... I'm thinking of that scene where they're all yelling at the guy, this guy is ripping them off. That situation, they would need an interpreter there or they're in violation of federal law. Oh, true. Really? Because I mean. there yeah. are a lot of federal vents and stuff oh, where they're interpreting. Yes. In other words, them. if they were oh, having... Yeah federal people be on these boats as monitors to monitor their catch and make sure they're doing the right thing, uh, they would have, by rights, needed to have a professional interpreter there. That's a convenient plot device because it uh, builds drama. Yeah, it really does. And I hate to hate on the direction of this movie. Why does this movie look so bad? Well, I mean, part of it is it's a kind of a gloomy setting. I mean, when you think about it, um, fishing boats and... I think a lot of times the cities on the coast are cloudy and stuff. So, it's just I mean, it's so not, unstylized. Yeah, yeah. I, you're, you're talking about the shots, the yeah. actual shooting and the lighting and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. You're probably I mean, right. You can make any, any setting look cool if you have something. But she actually has won Best Adapted Screenplay at the BAFTAs a few days ago. And my problem with that is it's not a good screenplay. Yeah, the word patronizing comes to mind because it's so patronizing. Oh, working class. Oh, they're fishermen. Oh, they're deaf. And it was just so, I don't know, just so cliched. And 
I don't know what people see in it, really. I don't see it treading any original ground whatsoever. I mean, I think the characters... I mean, I, I know you didn't really care for the characters. I thought they were pretty likable overall, but nothing special and nothing that made me care that much about what their life was like. I mean, I felt like I should care more, but I don't know. Again, I think it just, it was because the screenplay really just kind of reverted to these, these stereotypes and cliches and these, um, just set, what would you call set pieces yes. maybe? I just, was not a fan of this movie. And I really wanted to like it because I'm a sucker for emotional movies. And near the end, people all said like, oh, this is a cry fest. Get ready for your heart to be shattered. And at the end, it almost got me at one point because, well, we can spoil it, I guess. There's not much to spoil, but basically her dad um, can't hear her sing, but he wants to feel her sing. So he touches her vocal cords. And that was like a really sweet moment and stuff. And I was like about to start tearing up. And then I was like, wait a minute. I hate this movie. Why would I do that? You don't hate the movie. I don't like it though. I was not happy with one bit of it. And I just thought it was not good. And the acting though is getting a lot. Okay, the dad especially. His acting is getting a lot of buzz. Troy Kotzer. Kotzer and he is on track to win Best Supporting Actor. Did y'all know that? Well, I guess it is a different kind of role. Yeah. It's that's true, but I kind of wish. What was the guy's name a few years ago? Was it just last year? The Sound of Metal guy. He was amazing. Oh, yeah, he was. He was. He didn't win, impressive. did he? Yeah. The, he didn't the win. The drug uh, counselor. He was. Yes. Yeah. He should have won. But maybe this is them kind of repaying. I don't know. Possibly. The deaf community. I don't know what's going on. He was pretty good, I guess. Yeah, he was good. Isn't it a remake of a French film? Have you heard much about that one? Yes, it actually is. And everyone says that that French film is a lot better, even though the, oh my gosh, the poster for that film looks atrocious. It looks even worse than this movie, but apparently it's a lot better done. But I, yeah, I didn't realize this was a remake. I always think that's such a cop-out when Americans remake a movie and they get all these awards for it. Well, and especially now when the lines are blurred, there's globalization, um... That French movie about the guy who was in a wheelchair, remember? And then they remade that with Brian Cranston and somebody. Yeah. Why? The movie itself was still well, alone. Well, there are still a lot of people out there who won't see a foreign film. So if you want Americans to see it, if it's a good enough plot, good enough story, then I think it's okay for Hollywood to remake it or for American filmmakers to remake it. But... It probably does have to be, you would think they'd want to step it up and make it even better if it's the second time the story's been told. It just never works. Like, remember that Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus movie about they were like on a ski slope or something? That was a remake of a French film and everyone hated the American version too. It's just so hard. But I understand what they're trying to do, remaking them for American audiences, but I don't know. It just doesn't work all the time or ever. So what else? What else should we talk about this movie? Should we talk about how it deserves to be nominated for Best Picture and French Dispatch didn't get a single nomination? It's painful. I know they're different films, but seriously? And screenplay, screenplay? and stuff that's so painful, man. Ah, it makes you wonder whether critics get together and they declare a feel-good hit, whether uh, it really is as good as other movies before it. Um, and again, you can tear down anything, anything. And certainly that's not... That's what we're doing here. But it's really a case of movies are meant to be something different. And if you, you're saying this is something different when every after school special, every high school musical 
Grease, you know, and any of these movies that we've seen that we know, these cliches of girl meets boy and boy. And their relationship girl. was so shallow. Yeah, it was not even, it was, un, I don't know, it just didn't hold together, didn't seem realistic for all this earthiness and for all the bodiness and all the, oh, look how real they can be. It just, it rang false in a big way for me. Well, I think there's a lot of disagreement among um, the, I guess, the people who nominate for the Academy Awards, how many nominees there should be for Best Picture. And it varies from year to year, right? But and they said this year there will be 10. And yeah, and this there year there were 10. But it almost seemed like it was a bit of a, I mean, in, in some years it's like, oh, I wish there were 10 nominees because there's so many good movies. This year it kind of seemed like they had to stretch for 10 movies that were worth being nominated. But the funny thing is, this isn't going to be the first one that they would have cut. It would have been Nightmare Alley because that was too dark, apparently. True. And, you know, it's just like, so, this is a front runner. Like, people expect this or Power of the Dog to win. Is that not terrifying? Well, this is of- such a green book. Of course, going back to Nightmare Alley, I liked that a lot better than this. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess if Hollywood gets criticized for making dark, depressing movies... This wasn't. I mean, this yeah. was a movie that you came out feeling like there were nice people in the world and sometimes good people got a chance to succeed, etc. So maybe in a way, I hadn't even really thought about that, but maybe the fact that it's a positive message should be commended. And I mean, we are hating on it so much, but it is good to have films that represent different communities. You know, it's good to have movies about the deaf community. And I would like to know what someone who's deaf thinks of this movie, you know, to have their, because we have no idea, you know. Mm -hmm. And Marley Matlin was um, probably the only person in the film that people really recognized. She was really good. She was, she's well known from winning an Academy Award, I think, with about one of the first deaf-centered movies, Children of a Lesser God. Mm-hmm. And if you want some really strong opinions, wait till you hear our Power of the Dog <laughs> podcast. We're not talking about that movie. Oh, yeah, we will. We'll no, because y'all don't remember it. Yes, I haven't we did. seen we it saw in it. forever. We, saw it. Yes. I, we remember it. Oh, jeez yes, Louise. Yes, this was, yes, anyway. We'll okay, play. let's get to music notes. Mom, how about you start? How many music notes would you give Coda? I think I'd probably give it two and a half. I didn't dislike it. I wasn't looking at the clock, you know, wanting it to end. And I um, felt pretty good after it was over, I guess. But that's a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, I was happy for the characters the way it ended, but I also was happy it was over. (laughs) It was, yeah, not very original at all. And yet it was, it was at least an average film. Yeah, I'm going to go one and a half. I mean... But I just did not connect, and I also was looking at my watch a lot. And I think it's because I expected more, you know? Critics were saying, this is so good, and all that. And I was like, yay, I'm excited. I came in really wanting a good movie, and eh, I'm not a fan. I'll go even lower. I'll give it a one. Because I, I, I really viscerally responded to it, and I, I did not like it at all. Jeez. just thought it was too trite. Doesn't, maybe it's partly the the more recognition it gets and the more awards yes, it gets. I think that, that just adds works fuel. against it. Yeah, that's fuel to the fire. It's like, oh, you see it and you want to, okay, well, I guess if enough people say it's good, it must be good. And you look at it and, yeesh. I think if we had just seen it and some, you know, the Angelica without getting any, reading any reviews and not really hearing any buzz about it. Yeah. 
we probably would have liked it a lot better than seeing it after it had been nominated for an Academy Award and mm. after all these positive reviews well, and, and tell Maybe me, so. Tell me if this makes sense. The, the, the lead actress who plays, uh, what was her name, Ruby? Ruby, yes. It was, just seems so obvious she was acting. I don't know how else to say it. You know, like there's certain actors who, oh man, that's their role. That's that person. I mean, Marley she, Matlin, she seemed like... Yeah, she's very natural. Just very natural that was her. Same with the dad. But, you yeah. know, and it's just that, that just shows maybe she'll be the best actress ever, you know, but it just seemed like this is my big role, my first big role, and I'm going to act. And she was acting and she was fine. She was, she was not terrible, uh, but she wasn't quirky enough, wasn't interesting enough, wasn't anything enough. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point of the, the story that... She's just normal. Oh, but she has this great voice and she's going to Berkeley. Okay, well, on that note. On that happy note. <laughs> oh, sorry. One go back. Uh, Ozone Baby is on Led Zeppelin's Coda. It's a really good song. Check it out. Oh, my. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to our episode about Coda. I hope that nothing we said was too controversial. It probably was, but we don't mean anything by it. We have good hearts. We promise. Follow us on Instagram at Strange Love Movies Pod. Visit our website, strangelovemovies.com. And my dad has been editing our website and putting different blog posts up. And there are a ton. So if you want to go on there, strangelovemovies.com. And yes, we hope that you are spending your day watching a movie that is better than Coda. But we will see how it does at the Academy Awards. I'm not rooting for it. I'll say that. Bye, guys.